What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You're listening to Comedy Central. Now hiring. 30-year-old black woman over there in Nairobi has quit her job in oil and gas to work on her full-time passion. She is perfected a lightweight and low-cost building material made out of recycled plastic and sand that is stronger than concrete. Respect. So why are you afraid to like it? Zombie Mati. And I apologize to anybody from the African diaspora. I know I messed that name up. Um, Has launched an enterprise to turn out about 1,500 bricks daily made from industrial and household plastics that otherwise would be dumped in overflowing garbage heaps. Mm -hmm. And these wonderful plastic and sand mixed bricks, it makes bricks that are stronger than concrete. I'm still waiting to hear the down point. Anytime you innovate an industry and fuck up somebody else's money, there's a target on your back. I'm scared. Nope, disagree. Where's the car? that runs on water, Jacqueline, that was invented in 19. <gasps> oh my gosh, he was it? killed. Okay, that's fair. He, there was four of them. Three, mm. three are dead. One, welcome to Conspiracy Talk. <laughs> <laughs> three are dead mysteriously. One literally will not surface for public interviews right. at all. So, 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 are you saying that certain government entities that might make their own, you know, way of building things in a non-sustainable, earthy way, might be intimidated by this sister, and we need to cover her in bubble wrap? That would be my preference. Mm-hmm. Though, if we know anything about black inventors, they'll just steal the idea from her and not give her credit. Mm-hmm. So she'll be safe. I think she's gonna do well. We ain't gonna hear about her in another six to three, uh, six to eight months. But for real, for right now, get your sister while you can. They gonna pay her a bunch of money to go away, and concrete gonna be right back to the top, just like gasoline. Hang on, I'll be right back as a knock at my door. <laughs> My name is Roy. This is my job fair. Yes. Football is the theme. Sport of King. Yo, pigskin. Yo, gridiron. Better than Diamond Rings. The first black woman broadcaster for college yes. football. She is a Florida A&M Rattler. We're going to talk to her as well. And then, of course, the homie Mike Hill. Strike and strike again. Covers the NFL for Fox Sports. He covers a bunch of sports for Fox Sports. I don't want to just put him in a football bucket. but He's a legend, though. Real talk. He has another distinction, but he'll talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, I never played football because it was too many gang members on the team. So, I... <laughs> Word. After two days, I went to my mother and I said, oh, you still got that receipt to Hibbit Sporting Goods. I said, yes, you wow. Pull that out there, Joyce. And uh, run this shit back to Western Hills Mall because I don't need none of it. So you played you, you play two, uh, two days of football, that's it? Two days. 
That's two days. It. Just drills. Just blocking, mm. hitting drills. And I was just like, this is too aggressive. And, and like, we had, football is something you have to come up in to ease into that aggression. Mm. Like, you got to play, you know, 60 pounds, 70, you know, first grade, second grade. When you're coming in in fourth or fifth grade, man. I, I used to think that. I used to think they that. They already got daddy issues. Them motherfuckers mad because oh, they right. on their third boyfriend. You coming and taking that shit out on me? Beating their head bro. on the helmet. Beating their helmet yeah. against the lockers and shit. Bro, I'm <laughs> going home to watch Disney afternoon. I'm not going to be in this shit. He man. You're going home to watch He man. <laughs> Pop Dukes. Pop Dukes used to uh, coach a team when I was in the third and fourth grade. Uh, that used to hit people. They were a seventh grade select team. They used to beat the crap out of people, and they scared me um, against playing football until I was a freshman in high school. And uh, my best friend at the time, shout out Mr. Kenny Lee. I know you're out there, Kendrick Lee. Uh, Kenny Kenny Lee came over to my house and convinced me to play football, and I played football my freshman year. What's uh, your preference, though, JG? College or? The food is better for NFL. If I'm going to any sporting event, I need to know that the concession stand is on point. Now, you can find somebody grilling really well at a college football game, but I know I'm going to find some good concessions in a suite at an NFL game. Speaking of food service, it's time for Cody's Most Outstanding Employee of the Week. Are you a fan of Red Robin, third? Yum. Red Robin. Trash. Ooh. <laughs> From the oh, Arby's oh. fan, too. Yeah, she just Kevin trashed. A North Carolina Red Robin employee has been let go after packing to-go orders with edibles. What? Drug lace edibles were placed inside the carry-on bags of numerous customers with a card highlighting, quote, Kale Sweet Treats, the Incredible Edible. Oh. The free samples were included in the to-go orders, presumably in an employee's effort to build their edible business. There were free samples? He gave out free, free samples? samples. Free Where was this at again? Samples. This is Red Robin in Charlotte. Yeah. You Charlotte. tell that young brother, you tell that young brother that they have Red Robins in New Jersey particularly around the corner from me, that he need to come and work at ASAP. They need young enterprising minds like you. Complaints <laughs> were filed with the Charlotte Mecklenburg County Health Department, who then really? performed a full Haters. walkthrough and inspection of the restaurant. Haters. If it wasn't on my food, I wouldn't have cared. But if he like tucked it in there next to a fry or a burger, then I had a problem. But she if it's just in the bag. It, it was in care. there like a peppermint, like them little green... Well, the little green rectangle, the Andes mints. Like a fortune man. cookie. You got a fucking fortune yeah. cookie of weed, and you ungrateful motherfuckers called the health department saying that, oh, they're not up to cold because weed is falling into the bags, you snitch bitches Haters. in Charlotte. <laughs> Haters, all of you. You don't deserve that, young man. So to the employee of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Red Robin at 8304 Kenbrook Road. It's in the article. This is public record. So you oh, okay. All right. For giving away and trying to be an entrepreneur, mm. shout out to Kale's Sweet Treats, colon, the incredible edible. You, the name of your business is a little too long. You have to work on that. <laughs> but nonetheless. It's going to be hard to find you on IG, my dude. It's going to be hard to find you on IG. But I'm going to look. You are Cody's most outstanding employee of the week. Worst of first time. Now, Jacqueline, what have I always said about myself? I am kind, a man. smart. Well, I've said you was kind. Yes. You was smart. Well, I'm about to say, did you? Mm. Okay, Viola I Davis. am a man of many fathers. Huh? I am a man of many fathers. You don't say that. I'm about to say, that's new on me, homie. Well, I do now. Oh, okay. Well, I've been you saying say it to it myself. Oh, yeah. I forgot he just said that last week, Jacqueline. Did I, did, we missed that one. I just, yeah. don't, don't do that for him. No. no. I've been fortunate enough throughout my career uh -huh. from 1998 until now okay. to have people that have looked out for me in ways that they didn't have to. Oh. And in ways that help gave give me a little bit of guidance. And I'm talking oh. about black men. Yeah. I'm talking specifically about black men who 
don't know me from Adam mm -hmm. and still come through. And oh. it's an honor to have this brother grace us today. JG, who do we have on the phone for Worst from First? We have Fox sports journalist and TV host and actor Mike Hill. He's joining us. Legend. Yeah, that's what fucking I keep legend. reading. And we all know he's covered football, basketball, MLB, and his career highlights are endless and still going. And he wants to talk to you about some of the foolery behind the scenes that he's seen as a black sports journalist. Hello. Yo. Hey, what's up, y'all? No. Uh, all right. My singular question for you, Mike Hill. As a sports journalist, you are rarely, especially starting out, you are rarely in the same city more than two to three years as you move from market to market to get your worth up. Then when you finally land at a place that's solid like ESPN, which is where you were, which is where we met originally when people were being kind enough to put me on programs that were in Bristol. Third, this man used to pull me to the side. Hey, that's all you need to know, brother, to do this, oh, do this. And you're going to be funny that. and good joke, man, all that shit. But you're in fucking Connecticut. That ain't where your daughter lives, motherfucking Mike Hill. <laughs> How? When the job and the mm -hmm. way you provide takes you away from your mm -hmm. child, how do you remain connected? Well, communication, man. Yeah, communication is always key and always explaining to my daughters exactly why I'm doing what I do. And when you are at home and you get a chance to spend that quality time with your daughters or your son or whoever you may have in your life, even if it's a nephew or a niece and you're having to take care of that person, make sure you spend that quality time mm -hmm. with them. You put that time in while you're there. So that's the most important thing. Uh, I have to work, I have to travel. That's part of my job, that's part of my description. They want some of the finer things in life. And one of the great things that I can say about my job, what I've been able to do, I've been blessed to do, is my kids have never gone without something that they needed and most mm. of what they want. I try not to spoil them. I try not to make mm. them entitled, but at the same time, I want them to have everything I wasn't able to yes. have as long as they are uh, to be able to uh, have the right tools to be able to survive and uh, get ahead and do the things they need to do in their lives. Mike, Roy does not like praise at all but he said something that makes me ask you the question. What made you pull him to the side to say, okay, Roy, let's prepare and do things of this magnitude? Because Roy, mm -hmm. we all appreciate you so very much, but he does mm -hmm. not like praise Mike. So what do you see in him that everyone else might not see? Well, first of all, that was my homeboy. You know what I mean? I was gonna look out for anybody from my, my, my hometown. And he's just funny. He's hilarious. Yes. I know. I long before sure. Roy Wood became this 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 star, and he was uh, you know household name and on Comedy Central, or whatever. I just you know I saw potential. I knew what he was able to do. Mm -hmm. uh, he and he's a brother. And the thing is, he wanted to learn. Like this is a smart dude. You know, you can tell yeah. there are certain people that are out there that just are naturally talented or whatever. But there aren't that many people who are naturally talented and smart and get it, you yes. know what I mean? And just wanted something different and better for himself. You know, you gotta understand coming from Bessemer, Alabama and from Birmingham, Alabama, growing up, we didn't see a lot of great things. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to shit on the cities that we no. came up in, but we didn't see a lot of great things to make us say, hey, you know, I wanna do something like that. So if you had that type of ability like Roy had, there's something that's innate that other people who are innate can see in that person. I saw that in Roy and I knew that he was going to be as successful and even more successful uh, than he is now. Man, I appreciate that, man. Because uh, then, as luck would have it, Jacqueline, by the time I moved to L.A., Mike was in L.A. Mm -hmm. And come to find out, half of his Rolodex of people he hang and drink with is stand-up comedians <laughs> I respect. There so then mm -hmm. I'm able to hang and post up in those circles and get game on what I do from it. Like, you just start co-opting other people's friends yeah. and all of that type of stuff. So with that aside, Mike, mm -hmm. this is the part of the show where we need you to tell us about a worst job or first job. And I, I, I want you to break down this life, this ignorance. Oh, my gosh. As oh a, black my God. a black sports journalist. Oh. What's the best part of this job? Mm. And what has probably been the most challenging 
over the decades. The best part of being a sports journalist is that, I, first of all, I'm passionate about sports. I knew I couldn't freaking play it, so I like I could stay in it some kind of way. I knew I was sorry. You know, when you get when you're in high school and you and your teammates call you, know. you sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like you sorry. Why are you so damn sorry? You know how people in Alabama are. They'll tell yeah. you why are you so damn sorry. You so damn tall and so sorry. Your ass can't dunk. Like I, okay, well I knew. Boy, all you right, flicked it. They call mm-hmm. you flicked it. Hell wrong. You can't get damn. right. You know I was you can't get right. Yeah. Before I can't get right. <clears throat> But I always knew I had a passion for it, man. So that's how I got into it. So it's it's, it's not even a job to me, bro. What I'm able to have is a career. I got a passion mm. and I'm able to talk about something uh, for the rest of my life if I want to, whether it be in sports, news, entertainment, whatever, as, as a host and now even acting now. I have a passion. I have a career. I don't necessarily look at it a job because the job ain't number work. So that's the best part about True, it. Indeed. The worst part about it is just like, man, dealing with the politics the games, you know, behind the scenes. You know, when I was at ESPN, a lot of the shit that was happening behind the scenes with executives and being a black man sometimes uh, in broadcasting or whatever. Sometimes you, if, if you allow people to do it and uh, uh, control enough of you, uh, you can lose your identity. And I mm. did that at one point while I was in uh, in ESPN. So uh, I'm luckily I've been, able, I've been able to get that back and uh, I'll never lose that again. You know, uh, if I may, man, I know y'all all mm-hmm. know each other from Alabama, and apparently this very powerful network of small towns in Alabama is producing some serious black men, which is making me question. And women. My, and women. Man, we ain't talking yeah. about you right now. Y'all had a whole and month. Women. Look, and women. all I'm saying is, <laughs> and women. all I'm saying is, Let's you know just get saying? That it's in making there. me question my upbringing, my bougie ass upbringing in Northern Virginia. But, Mike, I watched, man, I, I, don't, I don't even mean to make you sound old, but I remember watching you and Stuart and and I grew up on y'all, man, straight up. And, um, you know, I can't say that y'all influenced me to go into journalism, but I can say that a lot of arguments that I used to get into about what is considered proper speech when I did work mm. as a journalist was because of brothers like you and Stu. Mm-hmm. Talk about how that kind of stuff, if you don't mm. mind, it's a question I wanted to ask for a very long time. Talk about fighting for your voice in a, in a even in a sports newsroom. It's still a newsroom. And you guys, what you guys did, man, it changed everything because up until you all come along, like the color, like it, you y'all changed things. Like I really do look up to y'all, man. The oh, I really do. What you spoke and did highlight packages. It helped normalize things that were considered ghetto. And how dare you fucking speak quoting like lyrics? Like just, I mean, come on, mm-hmm. man. Like y'all, come are on, you man. excited while looking at a dunk? Yes, my fuck. I'm gonna let my emotions come through while I read uh, this. I, I realized that when I was an intern uh, in Baltimore at WBFL Fox 45, man, when I was trying Ooh. to be a sportscaster, Ooh. I was trying to sound like this and sound like, hey, you know, and uh, Kobe Bryant has the ball and he's shooting a 25 foot jumper. It's good. You know, that ain't me, man. I'm from Bessemer, Alabama, bro. <laughs> I was born in New York, raised in Bessemer, Alabama. That ain't me. I, I can't yeah. do that shit, bro. So one time when I was actually <laughs> dr- trying to get my tapes together, I just played around with it. And I was like, and I remember this one highlight I did. The U.S. team was playing the Chinese national team and this guy named Wing Dong Ho. Mm-hmm. And I said, my man, Wing Dong Ho takes it strong to the hole. And I said it like, I just said it like that. And it was like me, mm-hmm. Wing Dong Ho. And my Wing news director, my sports director, Bruce Cunningham said, that's you. Mm-hmm. He said, don't ever change, just do that. Mm-hmm. And I started doing that. Now, along the way, man, it's been, tough like you mentioned man I'm, I'm happy for guys like Stuart Scott to pave the way at ESPN when I see him doing that on a national level it allowed me when I was doing it at a local level to feel more comfortable doing it yeah. but I got fired in Dallas because I was black and acting and being a black sportscaster because mm-hmm. I had a guy tell me he said do you want to be a sportscaster you want to be a black sportscaster and I like well I'm a sportscaster who happens to be black well right. that wasn't good enough for him so I got fired when I got to ESPN Stuart was already there I got Man. black from black people and white people. Mm-hmm. You know how it is. It's almost like Biggie yes, and Mace, you know, yeah. or Biggie and, 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 and Shine. It shine you damn near had, had to, you had to make a choice. You had to make like a choice. Biggie, you know what I mean? Yeah, you so had to make a like, choice back so then. I remember that. I had, I had to make a choice. So it's like, there's like, I remember going into a, uh, and it's in my book. I remember going into a a, 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 a talent executive at, at ESPN. He said, you know the reason you're not moving up here at ESPN? He said, what? because, he said, he said, because the higher ups, feel like you're too ghetto. It's a true story, swear to God. I feel you like serious? you're too ghetto, Switched straight up. And this guy was a guy named Bud Morgan. He was in his 70s, about to retire. He said, Mike, I don't care. He said, I'm, I'm an old old white man from the South and I'm about to retire, but I like you. 
and uh-huh. the, the executives here at ESPN feel like you're too ghetto, and they already have one of those, meaning oh, they already have Stuart no. Scott. So when I'm talking about losing my identity, uh-huh. I'm there and I'm thinking, okay, I'm being myself. I'm not trying to be like Stuart Scott. I'm not trying. I'm just being me because just that's what yourself. I feel like got me there. And um, so I'm thinking, man, I don't want to lose a job. And you start losing your identity. So I started mm. changing a little bit and it affected me. And I oh. became somebody I wasn't. And it took me a long time to actually get Mike Hill back. And uh, luckily, luckily, I'm that person that I used to be now. And I'll never change again. Respect, B. Mm, thank you, man. Before we get you out of here, Mike Hill, uh, tell us a little bit about this transition into acting, man. That's yeah, not yeah. a traditional pivot for a sportscaster. Mm-hmm. Normally, broadcasters get cast on shows as a broadcaster. I always had that dream of doing that, but I never had any plays to be in or anything like that or performing arts. So it's a dream deferred, man. And uh, I've been taking some classes. And yeah, like you Love said, it. sometimes you get typecast because you are sportscaster or broadcaster. They try and make you a sportscaster or broadcaster. And a couple of my commercials, I've been playing a broadcast, but I even told my commercial agents, like, okay, that's fine. I'll make the money. Don't get me wrong. But I would much rather not play somebody on television as a broadcaster and anchor. I want to be somebody totally different so I can be taken seriously as an actor. And so far, so good. I'm in a series. I was in a movie that's coming out pretty soon. And uh, I'm auditioning, man. Plug so your shit, man. Drop it's a series. series. Come on now. Series. Absolutely. So it's a series coming out called Foster Law that'll be coming out pretty soon on the FUBU Network. Uh, nice. uh, Chris Stokes, uh, the director there. I did a movie with Chris Love Stokes it. once again uh, called, um, what is it called? It's called uh, You're Not Alone. I just did a <laughs> short called The um, the uh, uh, Unforgiven Ones. Okay. Uh, no, no, the, the the unseen ones. I saw that, and I just did a couple of commercials, and I'm auditioning for a couple of parts now. So all of that is kind of happened in the last wow. six months, man. Oh, and I did um, MC Light Show. I just did a, a guest spot on MC Light Show, uh, Partners in Rhyme, uh, also. Word. She yeah. has a series on. So, yeah, so thank you. You about That's to be done up. with sports broadcasting, man. I love it, man, and when I say... I appreciate you for all the game you gave me at a time when nobody was giving me anything, brother. I appreciate you. Much respect to the growth. Send old Cynthia Bailey our best as well. Thank you, bro. And, um, you know, we'll have you back on. You know, we'll we'll talk marriage and life and all that other shit. You better book him soon because he busy. Yeah, he ain't gonna get <laughs> I'm always gonna have time for you guys, though. You know that. Oh. Always gonna have the time for you guys. The book is open, Mike. He mm-hmm. is Mike Hill, brother. I will see you on my television. And Same thank word. you for Definitely, coming man. on the job, fair man. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. 
Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Football, 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 that's all we can sing for the lawyer, Sue. I hate the fact that country music artists get to sing the inspirational opening of the broadcast song, but then it's rap music when they go to commercial break about winning <laughs> and the champion. I'm the champion and we gonna win and we gonna do it and we gonna score again. The defense we doing it. We'll be back after this. I'm like, why can't rap kick off the broadcast? Because you know the open song is four one fifties and American pride and I love America to the day yeah, I die. rap to open the song up and all fifty five plus white people are gonna turn the TV off. <laughs> <laughs> No, you get them in there with the Travis Tritt. Then you bring right. young Jeezy on them. By that time, they already too invested in the game to turn the channel. Yeah. The voice you hear is a man who comes on every week to give you topics to break the ice. Co-workers of the opposite race. We're talking football today, Rod. You're a Patriots fan. I know that. Oh, yeah. Did you ever play football? What's your experience with football? I did. I played Little League football for years really? with the North Pratt Wildcats. Shout out to shout out to Pratt City. Now, at that age, how aggressive were the other players in the other team? Oh, wildly aggressive. All these niggas was in the hood. This, see? It was, I'm straight. I'm going to play baseball. Motherfuckers got to get the fuck away from me. <laughs> baseball is very much a, hey, man, you got to go over there and stand in your spot. This is my spot. I'm fucking going home. They were just right. tough kids. Jacqueline, he looked me dead in the eyes and said, I'm going to bite your fingers off, nigga. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> <laughs> we bring Rod on this program to give you topics to break the ice with co-workers of the opposite race. Rod, let's give him a little football to talk about today. What you got in the world of football? Well, as you mentioned, uh, I am a Patriots fan, and recently my main man, Rob Gronkowski, has retired for a second time from the NFL, and this time it's supposed to be permanent. So shout out to the Gronk man. It's been a wonderful ride, buddy. Players in retirement. There's certain players you know going to be all right, and then there's other ones where I'm like, hmm, worried about this brother. What is he? Really? What are you going to do when you... Because think about it. You've been the best at what you do. Essentially since since you threatened to bite another kid's fingers off. (laughs) (laughs) Gronk's going to be great post the NFL. He's got a great personality. He's got a lot of opportunities in front of him. And despite his meathead persona... Gronk's actually a pretty smart dude. He famously has spent his entire career not touching his NFL game checks and living off his endorsement money. Okay. So Gronk's got and, a lot of cake saved up. He's done wrestling. He's got the personality to do some acting. He uh, has his own uh, cruise promotion. So uh, Gronk's, Gronk's going to do great things, man. That dude is good. And he's leaving before his body's totally shut down. Hats off the Gronk. And see, that's the question I had. Isn't that exactly what the pivot is, what we talk about on this show all the time when you leave one thing to do another, even though you're retiring? Isn't that how you grow? Yeah, but most of those people don't grow. Most of those people don't end up growing because their their entire life is revolved around nothing but football, and they don't really have a personality outside of I'm a football player, so it's really tough on a lot of players when they leave the game. Lived off endorsement money from Dunkin' Donuts, Visa, T-Mobile, Lyft, Cheerios, Monster Energy, yes. Tide, and USAA. People love him. Yo. Hey, Those endorsements sure are going to keep like rolling that. for the rest of his life. That's smart. I don't know. He'll end up like Shaq and have one commercial too many. He'll be like, all right, wrap it up, guy. You've made enough money. Like Shaq and those general commercials, I'm like, I like the Papa John commercial. Yeah, because I believe he's Papa John's. Shaq is not insuring his Bentley with the fucking general. No. 
mean, but that's how all endorsements work. Deal so you said you wouldn't take an endorsement for a product you don't use. Like you go to Dunkin' now. So if Krispy Kreme tried to get you to do an endorsement, you'd be like, would. nah, I eat Dunkin'. Or would you take the fucking Marvel, 75 000? Marvel had me do a commercial for that new Doctor Strange movie. I still ain't seen the shit. All right, then. So what's wrong with Shaq not Which, using respectfully, it? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me clean up my money. Uh, Marvel, yeah. I have every intention of seeing Doctor Strange film. I'm very excited about the phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All right, what was you saying, Rod? Go ahead. Let's flip it up, Rod. Let's give these people another football story to bring up at the job. Some co-worker they can't stand. In uh, black football news, there's there's a show out there called All American. Tay Diggs? Oh, yeah. Tay Diggs supposed to be passable as a football coach. It's been such a a hit that it's got its own spinoff, All American Homecoming. Um, Now, for the people out there who don't know, uh, the show's been on for four seasons now. It's basically the story of uh, Ricky from Boys in the Hood with a little, with a little, with a little <laughs> twist. Uh, he, he made it? <laughs> yeah, All-American is about a black kid from South Central who gets recruited to come play high school football at Beverly Hills High School. And uh, it's, it's been a great show. We're a sleeper hit, uh, bolstered by great numbers on Netflix. So uh, if there are any, any black people out there, Looking for a great TV show and just really like football. If you like, uh, what was it? Friday Night Lights, and Varsity Blues, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And okay. even if you like Beverly Hills 90210, they got a show out that is a mix of both of them that's thriving, even though it's still under the radar. His name isn't Ricky, though, is it? I couldn't take it. No, his name's not Ricky. Ricky, okay. Ricky didn't you. zigzag. Ricky got what was coming to him. No, Roy, don't say that. I yeah, cried right. at the end of that movie. That's fine, but Ricky didn't zigzag. He was never going to make it to the league. I know y'all want to cry and all sad because the USC recruiter came to the house and was like, oh, Lord Jesus, Ricky, you're going to be a good football player. And then he got shot because he didn't. Do- mm. And he's a fucking running back. That's the whole part of the job <laughs> of running back. <laughs> it's too fucking Holy zigzag. Shit. I can't believe you. But yeah, somebody trying to shoot you, somebody's after you. You got to run to your safe, not run till you don't see them. No Ricky more. was never going to make it to the league, and I can't really get into it because y'all love him so much that y'all won't listen to reason. <laughs> Go back and watch Boys in the Hood and the scene where they bring Ricky into the house and they put him on the couch and the mama starts crying and the baby mama starts uh-huh. crying and then the mama opens his test scores. And when you look at his uh-huh. test scores, I don't remember the number, but I'm just throwing it out. Let's just say Ricky needed a 17 on the ACT and you look at it and the mama's crying and he had a 17. He got exactly what he needed to get that college degree, which means Ricky was going to be the victim of a Reggie Bush style tutoring scandal and he wasn't going to have the grades anyway and they were going to vacate his Heisman Trophy and he was going to get drafted in the fourth round because he never got to play with a quality quarterback. Who hurt you? I know that's a that's a lot of assumptions. I mean, why does that mean Reggie Bush made it and plenty of people didn't get caught up in those scandals? And who cares if they vacate your eyes but if you make it to the league and hit big? Ricky did not have the IQ awareness <laughs> to be present enough to put a fucking scratch ticket in his back pocket one. Two, when danger appeared, he did nothing to evade. There was fences on both sides. Motherfucker jumped one of the fences. Didn't do it. Then we find out. He still didn't answer the question, who hurt you? Then we find out that his academics was just on the line, which means he's susceptible to some of that temptation of money and cheating scandals. It's a great film. I already said. people make it big. I already said that film's in my top three. I put it in the Black Movie Hall of Fame during the Film Week episode. So you can't say I'm hating on the film. You hating on Ricky and other college athletes' careers, though. What this got to do with Brinkson University is what I'm trying to figure out. That, that's, that's where I'm at. We started out talking about All-America. Y'all are mourning a football player who did not maximize his own ability to save his life. That's all I'm saying. It's Ricky, though. Roy is once again just jealous because he had the highest GPA on his baseball team, and the dumbest nigga is the one who played 20 years in Major League Baseball. <laughs> it's Ricky. <laughs> that's all. I love it. What football movies y'all like? 
That's I was easy. just about to say Wildcats. I am still successful. That's my favorite football movie of all so time. Wildcats is the greatest football. That and un- that and necessary roughness. <laughs> and the only other movie I know is Rudy. Is it better than Rudy? That was now, Rudy, now, Rudy's a classic. I, I don't think they can be compared mm. as two okay. Stone Cold comedies that we yeah, were talking about. The but the program is like a modernized Rudy. Rudy was the feel good about the short white dude at Notre Dame. He was a fucking scrub. Why is this inspiring <laughs> to y'all? A lot of former Notre Dame players who were there at that time, including Joey Montana, said they embellished a lot. <laughs> they embellished a lot in that story. <laughs> yeah. Like in what sense? Well, a lot of the players, you know, he was he got that sack and they carried him off the field and he was like uh all the team wanted him to make it and be a mass guy and a lot of former Notre Dame players from that time were like it was nothing. Nobody gave a fuck about that dude. <laughs> no. I enjoy Rudy, but at its core, it's a, it's a dude who's mediocre. And so, like Rudy for sure would have got shot in yeah. that alley with Ricky. Rudy didn't have any skills. Joe, straight up. They'd, he'd have tripped over Rudy. <laughs> Rudy would have got hit by the car with the biggest pool. He'd have been an accidental death. <laughs> Look, and they just stopped just long enough to, and they still had time enough to hit him, see him hit the ground, and then look up and still shoot Ricky. Like they had enough time. Slowest 40 ever. I'm sticking to that, bro. The podcast is Uncle Rod Story Corner. You can get it wherever you get this podcast. Rod, we thank you as always for chopping it up with us. Thank and you, Rod. Now, good yeah, luck bless up. to the Patriots, and I hope they're terrible. Thank you, Rod, as always, for driving the show off the rails with some football stories. I'm happy to have this friend on the show. We have her only for a, a little bit of time, and there's a lot that I want to get to. Uh, she is a Florida A&M Rattler third, so please right behave now. yourself with your Morehouse ass. No, no problem, sir. Behave yourself yes, when sir. Rattlers are in the building, respectfully. respectfully. JG, who do we have on the line? We have Tiffany Green, ESPN college football play-by-play commentator. I know there's a lot we can say, but like you said, you want to get into it. So hello, Tiffany. Hello, hello. How we doing, Rattler? What's up? We good. What's up? We okay. good. We good. <laughs> and it ain't just, if I'm not mistaken, Tiff, it ain't just football. You be running them basketball play-by-plays and softball play-by-plays. They be Swiss Army knifing your ass all yeah, over the network. Yeah, man. Got to be multidimensional, you know, versatile. Stay in the game anyway. Way I can. Now, JG, we're dealing with a unicorn because it's not a lot of black women play by play comments. It's not a lot of women play by play commentators, period, full stop. Period. But black, it's even fewer. Yeah. Because I hate the fact that so many football broadcasts have women on the sidelines. The ratio of, that's what I'm trying to say, the ratio of women on the sidelines to women in the booth is disproportionate. It's grossly mm. disproportionate. Mm. Matter of fact, the last dude I can remember being a sideline reporter for football was OJ. And we see it. Maybe that's what happened. Really? Maybe, maybe when OJ got caught up in his shit, it was like, all right, we got to put some women on the sideline. OJ to mess this up for the fellas. <laughs> put some girls down here to get mm. the inside of information. When you when you got the call, Tiff, to become a play to be in the booth and do play by play, walk us through that day. Wow, um, I think um, I'm trying to remember it specifically because I've been doing Olympic sports for some time, and then Florida I called... Flex right there. Continue. <laughs> I just want to make sure third. <laughs> I called an Alabama State Alcorn State game on ESPNU, and then afterwards, someone said to me, "Hey, do you know you're the first black woman to call college football on a major network?" And I was just uh-huh. like, "Wait a minute, hold on." Fire! What? <laughs> Fire. Um, all right, that's what's up. Because I think the moment of when I got a a, a call, there wasn't that defining moment, right? I had been doing some football for, you know, ESPN3 for Troy or, um, you know, some of the group of five or smaller schools. So it wasn't until that HBCU platform on Thursday night that allowed me to, you know, gain that national audience and Mm -hmm. understanding, you know, all the significance and responsibility that came with it. Um, made that moment all the more special. That's dope. How do you prepare to just talk for three hours straight? And you got to know 
every single motherfucker on the roster. <laughs> well, thankfully, there's a spotter chart that helps in that process. Y'all got to love my kids in the background. Y'all hey, just know that let, it's a working mother situation right about hey, now. You but, clearly um, heard my son in the background on previous episodes. <laughs> right. Or, or my kids literally just walking up in here and saying, hey, who are you talking to? You're good. You're fine. <laughs> they, they think they own the mofo. But, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where at WANM 90.5, I was the sports director. That was our campus radio station. And um, we had the opportunity to call softball games and basketball games on the radio. And that was kind of really my first practicing with. And it wasn't until I had spent maybe seven to eight years in local television that I finally moved over to um, a sports network on a local, more regional level, Bright House Sports Network at the time, that they offered high school sports. So I called volleyball and football. What state is this? This is still Florida? In the state of Florida. And so they had a contract with the FHSAA, so we got a chance to call regular season and playoff games. And it was there that I really feel like I honed my skills and really got the opportunity in practice. See, the thing about it is there aren't a lot of places where you have that opportunity to get that practice that you need. So Bright House Sports Network provided that opportunity for me where it was this thing um, where I got to call FHSAA high school sports the championships, the regular season games, and I was calling it for volleyball. I only did volleyball highlights. I didn't know actually how to call volleyball. I didn't know the sport. She hit it. I didn't know the rules. And she hit it back. And she hit (laughs) it back over there. Spike, pancake, dig. What do these things mean? Like, Mm. I have zero idea in terms of rotation, positions on the court. So all of that was you know, a learning ground for me so that when I got an opportunity to do it for the SEC network and for our ESPN networks, it was like, oh, okay, I have at least a working knowledge of what it is. And then you try to just learn how to fudge all the other stuff in between. And as long as you could keep up a pretty decent conversation and then put it back on the analyst, that helps you kind of navigate um, <laughs> through not knowing. Right, that's like because you you, you, you got you got to keep conversation going. <laughs> you just so pissed. Like, <laughs> that's low down. <laughs> well, uh, as you can see, they've hit the ball. And Tim, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you see here? So I am the who, what, when, where, and they are the how and why. The analyst is the how and why breaking down the game doing sports calling to me is a lot like doing production there's a certain part of you that kind of has to be a little sick in the head because like i've called high school sports and it is horrible sometimes calling high school sports (laughs) it is fucking horrible (laughs) but then like you also have those moments where like i had to call uh my man Wiggins. Andrew Ooh. Wiggins. Right. I got to watch right, this dude yeah. play for two straight years. And I was like, yo, that guy's going to be good one day. Victor Oladipo, that guy's going to be all right one day. But, you know, in between those two, oh, boy, there was a lot of there was a lot of guys that were not going to be <laughs> up there. So, like, t- can you talk about, like, to take it on that challenge sometimes of, like, the, the, the I don't know, the work of it. Because if there's anything, if nothing else so far, like, the work, I'm, in, I'm so – impressed and, and honored because you did the work like you did the radio work then you did the high school work then you did the college work like it's about the oh, work yeah. and you gotta be a little sick to do that sometimes you know I mean? <laughs> i'm the person who like when i was five six years old wrote in my school yearbook what do you want to be when you grow up a sportscaster and then that is morphed over time and sportscaster can include a play-by-play commentator mm. and so it's the work that you put in beforehand um that really people don't see you know oh mm. you get to cover these big cool games like that's what's up you get to be in these venues and interface with these athletes but it's all the work that goes in monday tuesday wednesday and thursday and friday so bad by, by the time we get to campus and we're in you know talking to the coaches and the game time it's just like all right, just like an athlete prepares and practices harder than the game itself for the great ones, mm. that's exactly how it is, you know, for us. Mm. So as as commentators, we are reading and going through game notes and going coaches calls, reading articles, you know, trying to find little tidbits of information that's going to stand out or make it interesting, make you root for that player. And mm. that's what I learned in, you know, covering high school 
is finding a rooting interest within a player Mm. so that you want to stick and connect as a human being. And then sport is the way that, you know, is, is, you know, grabbing you and keeping you in. Right. Mm. Like if this kid just overcame, you know, whatever challenge it was, whether it be academic. His daddy was never around. Yeah. He made a promise to his dying grandmama that he was going to make it. But even being driven, because I can't stand them stories. Let me tell you that right now. You know, in the crowd right now. Camera three, show the grandma. Three, (laughs) two, one, take grandma. That's right. There's a tear. There's a tear. She's got tears. There's a tear. (laughs) (laughs) You already know. But like even the the passivity of an athlete who came up just short of that championship or that state title and what has fueled them to get back to be able to try to make another run at it or Mm. they won uh, MVP honor. But now they're getting everybody's best shot this next year around like mentally. Where are they and what have they had to do to try to push through to elevate to that next level? Fire. Talk a little bit about the people around you, though. How were you able to do all of this traveling? JG and I were like, it's got to be the husband, right? Thank you. Well, I'm going to expose them right now. It's my village. This mm. does not go down without my village, without first the support of my husband, who um, has uh, totally bought in. And he knew me. We went to FAMU together. So he knew I had this dream all along. And he is 100% sold with me on this dream. That makes all the difference in the world. Um, So my husband, Aaron Bear, I give him first and foremost the shout out and love. But then my parents are here. His parents are here. And so there's a spoil of riches when it comes to that. These are the only two grandkids on both sides. But that was strategic, though. Real Mm. talk. Like, Mm. he was just like, okay, like, you love me, right? So if you love me, we're going to move back home to Tampa where we have support if you're trying to do this career thing and start a family. Give and get. Um, Give and get. So I, I gave up that dream of living in New York or Chicago, LA, you know, big city in order to be planted at home where I can travel on the road uh, probably about 80, uh, 60% of the week, every week. So <laughs> Tiffany Green, first black woman, play by playing it in the booth juggling motherhood at the same time, juggling marriage at the same time, Mm. juggling working across multiple facets of the ESPN family of networks at the same time. But before all of that, we want you to get us out of here on a story, because this is a scam of the week portion of the show. So we need to know about a hustle you ran on the old job or a hustle you seen ran mm. on an old job. Make sure the statute of limitations has passed because we will turn over these tapes to the authorities if subpoenaed respectfully. Respectfully. All right. So obviously working in television, you get uh, access to different events. And in order for me to go to some of the NBA All-Star Weekends or the Super Bowl, I strongly believed in making sure that I had media credentials made up for everybody. So the media credentials, whoever was with me, my crew, my posse, they all had official IDs <laughs> and they just flashed a badge when they were going into the magic. Black, game. They just flashed a badge whenever this they were going black, they had a parking brilliance. credential with them as well. So I support all like of this. It just looked like they were part of the crew. And then if you had question marks about what purpose they serve, one would carry the camera bag. See? One would carry the tripod. One would carry the audio equipment. See? Friends. Love. That's old school. That's old school right there. You still know how to do the lamination machine to make sure your shit look official. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then you put a picture on there. You gotta put a picture on there because then then it's stake and claim. Like, oh, I'm really, I'm really a part of the network. Like I'm a Mm -hmm. a part. Mm-hmm. You, you see my picture. You've given us more than enough of your time. <laughs> we will leave you to your wonderful, wonderful family. Right when I tell you, I'm happy for you and everything that you have achieved. Thank you. And I'm claiming it right now. I look forward to seeing you on Monday Night Football. Amen to that. Ooh, we coming. That's what's up. We coming. So, we yeah. coming. 
Yeah. She's coming. She's coming. That's what's Tiffany up. Green, thank you so, so much for being a part of the job fair. And I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Much respect and love to you, Roy. Love to all. After the break, Jeez. we're going to talk to the homie Joe Barksdale, former Oakland Raider, former San Diego Charger. We are talking football on the job fair. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Job fair. Bringing it home, talking about football. Third, you said you played organized football, right? Yes, sir, I sure did. And football, my freshman year, taught me race relations because I academically embarrassed a white boy in class. And then he physically took it out on my ass on the field. And I remember vividly the coach standing over me after he hit me. And he looked at me and he said, Cooper, are you okay? And I said, no, sir. No, sir, I am not okay. And uh, (laughs) I spent the rest of the season getting made fun of as the only offensive lineman who wore rib pads, uh, which in football is not something you're supposed to do. But that white boy hit the hell out of me. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to stick to speech and forensics. Wait, hold on. You were an injury? Oh, no, I was definitely injured. He put me down for like a good two games. He was on my team. (laughs) That shit hurt. I was not built for that game. I was not ready. The voice you hear is that of our guest. So, JG, who do we have on the line? We welcome Joe Barksdale. He is a former NFL player. And in 2018, he decided to pursue a career in music. And since becoming a musician, Joe has added mental health activism and comedian to his resume. Today, he'll talk to us about the scam known as the NFL and his passion for mental health awareness. Hello, Joe. It's nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, before we start this interview, let me just say, Roy's Job Fair is a property of Viacom Paramount CBS, which is a proud partner of the NFL, and we love the NFL, and <laughs> take my goddamn job. Joe Boxdale about to come on here and talk a little shit because this nigga wasn't as good as football at everybody else. Please, Father God, don't let us. <laughs> hey, Joe, great to have you on the hey, job fair. How you doing? Buddy? Thanks for having me. It's good to be here, man. This is fantastic. <laughs> now, Yo. you heard me and Third Story. When did you start playing? Because I've always felt like football is one of those sports that you have to pick up early before it becomes an angry, aggressive sport. By the time I started trying to play in the fourth and fifth grade, everybody, you know, it's a couple of dudes on the field got daddy issues and they taking them out on you. 
you got to start at like first and second grade. When did you start playing? When I was 15. <laughs> oh, damn. I started playing when I was 15. Um, I was actually a STEM kid. A what? Like science, technology, engineering, and math. I got kicked out of engineering camp and needed something to do over the summer. So I was like, maybe I can get in shape playing football. It's supposed to happen the other way around. You're supposed to get kicked out of football, then you discover computers. Then you go to engineering, right, yeah. right. I'm with you on that. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, <laughs> it happened in reverse. We talk about raising awareness for mental health and that being something that's important to you and you and your own issues with mental health. When did you first start thinking that, huh, something's different about me versus my friends? Probably when I was like, 16, 17, we had this ex-con that used to work with us as a strength and conditioning coach on the football team. And what did I say to him? I was trying to egg him on because he was trying to like call me out. And I was like, you the grown man that's in here selling t-shirts to kids. And I was trying to egg him on. Like, like, why would you say that to this man? Because I'm trying to egg him on so he can shoot me so I can be dead. And that was the first time that that thought process kind of hit for me. Mm. And I'm like, that's, you know, like you said, like, that's not normal. And then I would start talking to my friends, you know, like, so you look forward to waking up in the morning and like, wow. you like being alive. That's not normal you know, yeah. to me. Hmm. Um, so yeah, probably in 16, 17. Hmm. What next? Where do you take that? Do you take that to yeah. the school council? Or do you take it to your parents? Or do you think hmm. that your parents ain't going to believe you? And you know, you, I know you can't uh, take uh, nobody in the church because they going to say you just need nah. the Lord. I didn't take it to anybody. I mean, I got used to like retreating into myself and compartmentalizing my feelings because I didn't know, you know, autism is difficulty understanding your emotions and other people's emotions. I didn't know how to identify what I was feeling. I just knew it hurt. Um, I got molested at a really young age, like Mm. three, uh, and didn't trust my parents enough to tell them about it. I've never really told them anything of substance since about my life, except for the one time I told my mom I thought that their lives would be better if I wasn't around. Hmm. Um, but yeah did you also just kind of slip in a second ago that you had autism yeah yeah, i'm autistic too really how could you Mm -hmm. i mean on top that's you're about to say but that's a that's that's a challenge like i i I gotta be honest to play in the league uh, even to play through college dealing with such a mental load like how did you did you know were you diagnosed diagnosed as autistic in high school or anything like Mm -hmm. that like, I got diagnosed as autistic three years ago. The mental health stuff was probably like seven years ago. Wow. Before we came up and started recording, you have been smiling and laughing and joking. I did not expect something so heavy from you once we hit record. How are you living this life where I'm looking at you and I see this happy man However, there's so many things going on in the inside. How do you make that balance? Comedy. Comedy has always been a shield for my emotions. If you're laughing, you're not really concerned with like what I got going on. Mm. Um, not to mention like a lot of the stuff I joke about is stuff that pisses me off and makes me feel some type of way. So I would say comedy. Thank you, Down South Georgia girl and a yacht. Got it right here in front of me. The 92nd pick in the 2011 NFL draft. That's third round. Now, you go from the Raiders to the Rams to the Chargers. Walk me through that arc through the NFL while being autistic and not even diagnosed with it. So, essentially, just being one of the more stressed out motherfuckers on the team. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much it, just being stressed out. Or were you stressed at all? Was football just an escape? Like, like how did you, how did you carry undiagnosed autism and the stress of fucking the NFL, dog? I guess just by continuing to work. In my mind, I was trying to set something up for my family. Uh, Obviously, you know, too late to start a tech company and all that kind of stuff. So I knew I had to make the most out of what I had going on. So even throughout those feelings and that kind of thing, I would always tell myself, like, bro, there's an unborn kid that's depending on you to get your ass out there. I don't care how you feel, Mm. you know. Um, I never really was able to communicate with, like, teammates or coaches or anything like that very well. Yeah, just continuing to... I mean, say what my parents used to say. Suck it up. You'll be all right. You know. Okay, I'm curious. It's not about, healthy, but that's that's the answer. When did the I don't want to wake up anymore stop? Because the NFL football itself. Oh, it never did stop. 
So did you go and forgive me? If you don't want to answer this, please don't. Were you still oh, going no, on the field? Oh, thank you. Because I am very curious and I know this will help someone who's listening. Were you going on the field thinking to yourself, I could get hurt. This could be the end. Were you thinking to yourself, I might not wake up from this next hit? What was going on in your mind? Because you have a beautiful, unique mind as we're learning and talking to you right now. I would say the main thing that was going through my mind was like your entire future hinges on what happens today. Like in the next, like, you know, like they'd be singing the national anthem and it's like, all right, you know, our entire future depends on what happens like in this game. And that's how I took it from game to practice, to practice, to game, to game. But that was what was always in front of me. And yeah, that's a lot of pressure. Mm. Uh, a lot of pressure I put on myself, but that was, you know, you want to you want to be rich and be a better parent or you want to be poor and angry like your parents. You need to get your ass out there and play. How much <laughs> of a level of importance does the NFL or did the NFL at that time? Because we don't know what they do now. Hell, Kaepernick just got to try out for the Raiders. How much at that time did the NFL mm. do? Oh, damn. To like care about mental health. Was there anybody that come in on Tuesday? Oh, nothing. Hey, Joe, it's Jimmy. You ain't killing yourself, are you? All right, see you at practice. Did you at least get that? Mm. No sports psychologist for the NFL is what you're saying. Yeah, no, not really. I would say uh, before I left, the Chargers tried to get someone there, but it's real weird to talk to a psychiatrist or a psychologist whose degrees you have not seen. Like, it's just an mm. empty-ass wall. I don't – where'd you get your degree at? But I say no. I mean, I came out about the mental health stuff, and there was an article in the L.A. Times that kind of exploded. Um, and from there, like – you know, the mental health advocacy and all that started, but I never really heard anything positive from, you know, coaches or people affiliated with the team. Because in their mind, like, oh, you mentally ill, you mentally weak. Like, I ain't been playing already. But anyway. What would your what would your advice be <laughs> to people that are dealing with, especially athletes, since this is a sports episode? Yes. What is your advice to athletes mm -hmm. that are dealing with this type of pressure and trying to man up through the stigma of mental because it, it's not mm. just autism there you know mental health is a bevy mm. of different conditions and situations so yes, it is. what were some of the tools that you were able to use to get through it and what advice would you give to people that are dealing with that now Drugs and alcohol is kind of how I got through it. I would not oh, suggest that for God. anybody. Word. Specifically marijuana. Fuck yeah. What? Fuck yeah. I'm sorry. I love I you, Joe. First <laughs> I love you, bro. You all right with I me, would man. <laughs> be honest. Hey, with, man. Like, be the you same person that you always going to be, first of all. Like, too many people <laughs> try to be who people think they're supposed to be, as opposed to just being who they are. Mm -hmm. And it's going to come out eventually mm -hmm. anyway. Facts. Um, and I would say, like, you know, you know yourself like even someone like me who doesn't understand their emotions knew something was wrong and you just got to sit and think about it mm. and some of y'all got toxic relationships with your family that are directly influencing your mental health in a negative way mm. but y'all ain't hear that from me mm. how often how <laughs> yeah, often that's, that's uh, all part of it how often do your home like even when i think about my inner voice or like kill yourself it sounds like my mom hmm there we go that was you the know? question i was trying to get to wait have you said that to your mother what that your inner voice that is telling you things that are not positive. Have you ever said to your mother mm. this no, sounds like No, she didn't show like up you? to the uh, meeting I tried to have. Around the time the article came out, I tried to meet up with uh -huh. my family to kind of, you know, talk about these things. And uh, I called my mom the night of the meeting and she was like, I already put on my pajamas, I'm comfortable, I'm not coming. So uh, no, I never got that chance. Copy you. What's, what's really unfortunate about that is that I think part of that journey through self-acceptance and, you know, and this this really goes back to the episode where we had uh, comedian Samson on back um, a couple of months mm. ago. And Samson was talking about his journey mm. as a gay comedian and not being accepted at home and that making him resilient mm. for the rest of the world. I think the hardest part of some of our journeys is accepting that our family just doesn't want to be along for that ride. And there's nothing we can do to make them come along. And we almost have to exclude them as part of the healing. Cause I think that's part of the fallacy of growth and wellness is this belief yeah. that you need acceptance from the people that carry your DNA 
in order for you to be I. Mm. You mentioned what has helped you, the drugs, the alcohol, so on and so forth. Now that you are learning and being an advocate, what else is out there? Because I see a therapist. Roy sees a therapist. I don't know if you see a therapist, um, Ralph. Ralph got but a wife. we That's believe like in that mental health therapy. aspect. Yeah, and two kids. That's like a therapist and a half <laughs> each. So I see a therapist twice a week. I see a psychiatrist once a month to make sure my medicine and everything is good. So, I, yeah, I'm a big proponent of therapy. I'm a big proponent of just expressing yourself in general. Even if you're not going to say it to anybody, record yourself saying it. You got to get it out. Um, and persistence. Mm. You know, y'all both touched on it. I mean, nothing worth doing is easy. There will be hard days in therapy, but... You know, you gotta yes. you gotta have hope for that. I ain't gonna lie. The only reason I keep going is so that I can continue to tell other people to keep going. That's so maybe up. that's what that's other people up. need to hear. Like, yeah. You need to keep going so that when you tell somebody to keep going, you know, you can be in the process of going, if that makes any sense. It makes a but whole bunch of yeah. sense. That's kind of where I'm at. Like I can't be someone that's telling someone mm -hmm. to do something I'm not doing, even if I don't want to be here. I don't know you. I've only known you for this short period of time, but I am oh, so proud you. of you. I am super proud of you. I'm going to put my camera on mute because I'm probably going to cry. But I'm very proud of you. Thank Congratulations. You. you trying to make him a CMO? You going to make him a CMO? <laughs> mm, sounds God right. Got Joe Boxdale. Oh, yes! Cody's most yes! outstanding employee of the week. Brother, yes. when yeah. I say I look forward to totally working agree. with you again on the road and the next time we chop it up, let's not make it a hockey game in New York City. Uh, let's jump on the stage together. I'll tell you that story later, JG. You're going to Detroit. I will talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. You can't just be <laughs> we'll talk about that later. She's just trying to put you on the show that I ain't in charge of the lineup and shit. <laughs> Jacqueline ain't shit. Joe Boxdale, I love you, brother. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Love you too, man. Thank y'all for having me. Talk to you Thank soon, you. Joe. That's what's up. Peace. Peace. That's the show. Roy's Job Fair is a product of iHeartMedia, Comedy Central, and South Park and Princeton Productions. We'll do it again next week. She's just trying to add you on a show that I don't even have any jurisdiction over. Goodness, Jacqueline. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Saving starts with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.